1: That's the Johnny McKegg Band. We are the Pipples Podcast, your premier Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. My name is Alex. I'm Steve.
0: And I will actually be Greg today.
1: Who, who do you want to be? Uh, Batman. The answer is always Batman. Batman yes, yeah, Batman's a good one too. Even I know that reference, okay? Check us out on Twitter at Pod. You can give me a follow at RealAlexD can find me if you want at safamud
0: And don't follow me at Greg on sports. I do not need your pity follows.
1: Uh, Greg needs your pity follows. Greg, uh, Piffles Podcast is brought to you by Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Check them out. Let's jump right to it, guys. Let's talk some football. Time for the opening kickoff. <whistles> I'll eat the crow. They won. They won. The Riders 2017 Win in Calgary, jumping to 6-4 and four on the season. Huge, huge, huge win for the Riders. But I'll nitpick just a little bit here. The offense still, still is off. And I don't know what they can do to change what we actually have an offense right now. It'll get better with uh, Shaq and Duke and, and the timing with Cody Fajardo. But I just can't see this offense being what it was even in week one anymore guys
0: i think week one was the aberration like this uh, to paraphrase denny green this team is what we th- think they are right now they are not that offense is n- not where it needs to be to go deep in the playoffs like there's some serious work they, yeah we might finish second but it's it's gonna be a tough hill to climb to get uh past winnipeg
2: it all comes down, and we've been harping on it for weeks now. But it all comes down to the O line. Yeah, they only gave up what one sack, and it was late in the game. But they—they just—you can tell Cody has no confidence that he's going to have any time to get any kind of real play going. He—he's jumpy right from the snap, and it—and it runs right through to the end of the play. It's just—it can't be—it
1: can't be a good spot for him back there. Well, this Calgary game. Thank goodness, Bo Levi Mitchell was absolutely terrible. I don't know who he was throwing to. Well, he was throwing to Riders the entire game, as you see from all the interceptions. But the Riders lose that game if Bo Levi Mitchell is an average quarterback in that game because he was awful. Credit on the Riders' defense for making those plays, especially Jeremy Clark and, and, you know, the newcomers there that we were talking about last week being a little bit worried on the one side of the defensive backfield. But that defense for the Riders balled out. They were lights out, turnovers everywhere. So kudos to them. But Bo Levi was just bad. And we've said that a lot about him this year. He's, he's thrown at least another interception since we started recording this
2: show tonight. He, he was awful. And up against a very young and inexperienced defensive back unit. I loved seeing all three of the new guys in place get, uh, get interceptions. That was uh, kind of refreshing and makes you wonder if some of those guys might stick around after, uh, after guys start getting healthy, because they didn't look out of place after the first quarter or so.
0: And, but a lot has to be given to Shivers. He has got this defense top notch all year, great young coach. Like he's got a huge future in this league, if not down South, because this team just plays for him and next man up doesn't seem to bother this defense at all.
2: Well, you, you look who we lost in the linebacking core and they haven't missed a beat this season at all. Now you're missing three of your five starters in your defensive uh, backs unit, and they don't miss a beat at all. You, you lose AC Leonard for, uh, for three games. That D-line doesn't miss a beat. Like, no matter what happens, and w- when, you're, when you're seeing that kind of consistent play, for the most part, it has to come down to coaching. And like you said, full
1: props to Shivers for what he's doing back there because it's working, whatever it is. Yes. Like I said, full props to Shivers. Not what you said, what I said, full (laughs) props to Shivers. (laughs) Somebody said uh, it. (laughs) um, Bad news from that. Bad news from that game, sorry. Um, John Ryan um, got the exact same injury that I have, rolled his ankle out two to three weeks. I don't know. I went to work after two days, so I don't know why John Ryan can't do the same, but John, I know what you're feeling with the, uh, with the sprained ankle right now. Mine came in floor hockey and uh, I know I'm a little bit younger than you, so I can get, you know, back into, into the game sooner, I guess, but uh, that's actually going to be a huge loss for the team. And we'll see what happens with uh, Corey Vanek and, you know, the other global kickers that are going to replace him this week whoever wins the punting job anyway but uh john ryan out and uh we saw that uh author was in kicking a couple times in that calgary game and everyone's wondering what was going on because they never really said anything on the broadcaster in the game but that could be a, a potentially big injury for the riders so with all this
2: smack talk of john ryan and missing the next few weeks we can expect you to be suiting up on sunday for our floor hockey team right we'll see we'll yeah. see. If, if you don't, I'm just going
1: to replay this, but uh, game time to cut say. out John's name and, and put yours <laughs> in there. We'll have to get Sarah Colonna back on so she can uh, <laughs> yell at me a little bit. Yeah, we'll, we'll get that done. <laughs> I mean, we, we saw just how important
2: John Ryan was to our special teams because that game could have gone downhill fast and did nearly go downhill fast after he went out. You can't do much with 20, 25-yard punts punts going out of bounds you almost you almost i i feel like the riders need to maybe look at having a backup punter somehow on the roster because brett lother is not the guy uh in in any kind of situation that you might need it uh for for game day if if somebody gets hurt again that's a that's a scary thing to look at down the road
0: but also with ryan out um Harker is apparently practicing a holding kicks
1: uh, for Lothar. So can, can we get some fakes? And, you know, th- there's that, but also that's a, that's a very underrated thing is having, you know, snap to hold to kick. Like it's a very fluid practice motion. Like it's a very underrated part of the game. And if you don't believe that they made a freaking movie about it with Ace Ventura pet detected, which is all about making sure the hold is right and get, keeping the laces out. So there's a whole movie based on how important this is. So it actually could be a huge thing, but I think Harker will be fine. Usually most teams have their backup quarterback as the the holder anyway. So I'm not too terribly worried about that, but I, I, was, That'd be, I yeah. always
0: find, find it weird when they have the punter do it. Like I get it for practicing. Uh, it's easier just because you don't have to pull a quarterback out to go with special teams, but it's, you think you'd want the quarterback there just in case you ever do want to do do something uh, crazy like a, a fake throw or whatever.
2: But well, keep in the... mind, and John Ryan's the only guy on our roster to throw a touchdown pass in the NFL. So, I
1: mean, he's been there. He's done it.
0: And the picture is amazing.
1: <laughs> who did he do that against?
0: Yeah, who was that against?
1: And
2: That's the end of the call tonight. you so well, we'll guys next week? Well, well, what did that can...
0: celebration look like again towards the sideline after the picture? <laughs> After the amazing picture in the face he made, he did some kind of special celebration towards the sideline. I'm doing what a special
2: it? celebration aimed at you right now.
0: <laughs> and this is why That's we what can't I get do for video. This up. Yeah, this is why we can't do video.
1: Yeah, there's the Packers, by the way. Yeah. It's the Packers.
0: And he was doing the old belt the thing that Aaron Rodgers does
1: the discount double check. <laughs> God, I hate the Seahawks. <laughs> So John Ryan out two to three weeks, same, John. Um, Other injury updates we did get from the Riders. uh, Mike Adam officially out for the year, finally had a surgery on the, what was it, dislocated wrist. Um, So I think we all kind of expected him to be out, but now it's official. So that does suck because Adam's a fantastic part of this defense and a very important part of this defense. But they've been doing okay in that backfield without him so far. Um, Garrett Marino defensive tackle has been practicing he's able to come off the six game list here uh, right away so that I can't be, wait uh, till he's back because he yeah. was a beast at the beginning of the year you got him and Micah Johnson plugging up holes in the middle and uh, all of a sudden AC Leonard and Jonathan Woodard and the rotation of guys at defensive end can make a huge huge impact on the game so looking forward to getting him back on the field I can't can't wait to see a
2: a 11th or an 11th defensive lineman on our depth chart.
1: (laughs) So bottom line, when we go back to that riders game in Calgary, 2017 win puts them in second place, kind of in the driver's seat. And Steve, I saw you tweeted this out there three and one, the rest of the year, if the riders go three and one guarantees them second place and That's what everybody's chasing right now with the Winnipeg already clinching first last week as well. So a very important step to uh, not only making the playoffs, but hosting that playoff game by beating Calgary and even doing it in Calgary. Not just beating the team that you're probably going to play in that game, but if you end up having to go to Calgary, you know you can win there. So absolutely huge confidence builder for the riders. You know, it's funny you mentioned it's funny you mentioned the the
2: guaranteed three and one gets them into the playoffs. That, that reminds me of another guarantee. I'm not one to toot my own horn except a every two, possible two? chance that I get, but I'd like to remind everybody you mocked me for it, but I guaranteed a win last week. First time I've ever done it. And I was right. Never okay. going to do it again.
0: Okay, if, if you're if you're going to lead off a thing with I'm not wanting to toot my own horn, you got to go full Ar- Arne Anderson and follow up with a toot toot.
2: <laughs> I'll, I'll keep that in mind for next time. Let's be
1: real. Any chance I get, I toot my own horn. I'll, I'll toot my own horn too because uh, I always say when we do our picks at the end of the show that this is where you go to uh, bet on the opposite and bet on the opposite of me because I'm not doing very well in pick them. So I'm... Uh, doing it for you rider fans that's that's uh maybe I'll, maybe I should just say right now that I'll pick Montreal just to uh, get that out of the way so you guys will know to bet the house on the riders. but uh, big win for the riders. We'll talk about that Montreal game here in just a couple of minutes. That was the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Festion of Royal LePage, Pagina Realty. Uh, let's get the Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones guys. I want to talk about the big trade that we saw over the weekend, Nick Arbuckle traded from toronto Timminton to for a third round pick and necklace quarterback chad kelly uh formerly of denver broncos fame seventh round draft pick and uh it's a new home for nick arbuckle who uh i guess was on the outs in toronto as well he's done almost the he's done a half
0: glenn in like two seasons four out of nine that's not bad that's not bad like that's almost Sean Lemon speed of changing teams.
2: <laughs> and, and in true Kevin Glenn fashion, he never played a single game for the Ottawa uh, Red Blacks. So uh, added bonus for that one.
1: Now, yeah. I, I like this trade for Edmonton for a couple of reasons. One, who knows what they have right now after they got rid of Trevor Harris. They have Taylor Cornelius, who uh, has a strong arm, but not an accurate arm whatsoever. You have Nick Arbuckle who has looked pretty good in his CFL time already. But I also like Nick Arbuckle, the person. When you hear his story, when you find out, you know, a little bit more about him, learning about his mother being bipolar and how that shaped and changed his life as a kid. He was an old lineman and he was was a heavy set young man and and said, you know, when he was playing football, Dad, I don't want to be an old lineman. I don't want to be you know, one of the big guys anymore. I want to play quarterback. And then he lost all the weight, became a quarterback, made his way through junior college and and then to college, made his way up here to the CFL and has had some success here as well. So it's a really great story. And we've been ragging on Edmonton and their whole culture fits and all that kind of stuff over the last, you know, season, (laughs) the whole season in 2021. And, uh, but this is a great fit for if they're really serious about this whole culture thing. This is a guy that you can really rally behind. He's too good for them to Elks.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. He literally is. Like, I'm sorry. Like, and you, you look at what what still remains. And I, the only good news for him, he's 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 on the last year of his contract anyway, so he doesn't have to stay there if he doesn't want to. <laughs> but. I don't know. It's Edmonton ne- needed a quarterback, but their season's done anyway. I, I guess they got him for cheap.
1: But well, well you don't just make that it. trade if you are Edmonton without really thinking that you are going to be able to resign him.
2: And that, and that's just it. You are getting you are getting a guy that you can audition for the twenty twenty two season for effectively a third round pick. I mean, yeah, there was a, a Neglist quarterback going the other way. I think as the nephew of uh, Jim Kelly. Yep. Or was it the yep. yeah nephew yep. of Jim Kelly yep. from the from the Buffalo Bills right so I I mean yeah you get you you get a neglist guy but effectively this is an audition for a third round pick and a second if you sign him and if you're getting your set your starting quarterback for 2022 and beyond for a second round pick you're laughing all the way it's it's an easy deal for them and for Arbuckle he he gets a chance to show that he should be a starter that was supposed to happen in Ottawa. It was supposed to happen in Toronto. Now he gets the chance to actually shine in a, you know, in a starting role, probably in a few weeks, probably against us.
0: But here's – well, and Toronto had to do something, too. Like, they couldn't continue to afford to pay two starting quarterbacks. Like, you have to think their payroll is pretty high with all the talent they have amassed over this past year. So they, they were on the hook to do something, too.
1: And most of the guys are on the injured list, so your salaries don't cap, toward, guess, cap yeah. towards right now anyway. Um, otherwise, it was trade deadline day on, uh, on Wednesday here in the CFL. And uh, let me check the notes. Yep, no trades, which was par for the course for the CFL trade deadline. Um, trades in the CFL are dumb. I say it every year. It makes no just, sense because you know who's release. going to move. You just exactly. wait it
0: out. You just wait it out. That's all you have to do.
2: Exactly. I was was really holding out hope that the Riders would try and make a a play for an old lineman anywhere across the league from, you know, specifically if you look at Edmonton, Ottawa, NBC, all teams that are realistically out of the playoffs. I'm, I'm kind of shocked. They didn't make a move of some point, but as you said, this is the CFL and trades, trades are rare. And when they happen, they're usually pretty dumb.
1: And actually, uh, thanks for bringing up the O-line there because I missed this in uh, in putting this down here. But also in practice, Josiah St. John was in place of Logan Furland with the starters on the offensive line. So, yikes. We'll uh, talk a little bit more about that when we do our enemy preview in just a little bit. But I want to get to one more thing here. Coming up on Friday is the 5th anniversary of the final game at Taylor field. As we record this on Wednesday, it's actually the fourth anniversary of the grandstands Taylor field coming down. So my social media, the, you know, Facebook memories, all that kind of stuff are just reminiscing about that over the last little bit. So I want you guys to pick one for our Piffles memories. As we're talking about the anniversary of the last game at Taylor field, outside of the 2013 Grey cup, not necessarily for a win, but it could be any moment. What kind of defines Taylor field for you guys, at least being in the stands back in the day, we'll call it. Oh, that's, that's easy for me. I mean,
2: there's tons of great moments on the field, but for me, I, I grew up in section 26, going to games with my parents, uh, going to the 95 great cup, going to the Oh three great cup before I went out on my own and enjoyed uh, the, the live, the livelihood of the university section but kind of growing up just with with around family it was both my parents my grandparents had season tickets right behind me and you hear this all the time but for me taylor field was family first it was there's memories there that you can't remake because you know families change families move on or what have you but you know i that's that's the thing that will always stand out to me was was those memories made uh with my parents, with my grandparents, with my brother, watching some really bad rider football in the 90s. Let's let's be real. But it was still football, and it was family. My, I guess my memories of Taylor Field are also
0: slightly different because of my U of R experience being on the field all the time when the Rams played. So um, that's what really drives my memories of Taylor Field. My rider memories, though. Just because of the stadium alone, when the scoreboard started on fire, uh, that kind of encapsulates (laughs) everything that stadium was. (laughs) Um, Taking my kids to their first games, uh, especially Connor when he was like literally like weeks old, and he was at his first game. That's like just the Ryder fan thing to do. Um, But yeah, the the lights out game, two thousand seven Labor Day, those games you'll never forget yelling ballsy sucks in the hot tub it was always fun like
1: damn it you took mine I was gonna say ballsy sucks that's that's what Taylor field was to me <laughs> that's what's missing at the new digs yeah yeah we should get one of those chants
2: going next game
0: Any t- actually anytime he shows up on the screen now for his uh, ads for his radio show uh, there should be a ballsy sucks chant like I- I'm all this point Chad has not brought how-, how much ballsy sucks
1: start him up for the well, I guess the one last uh, regular season home game that we they have. played
0: the wrong one. They played the wrong one last game. They played the like Ryder fan game. Like that's next game. And so we've already
1: seen the commercial for this coming game. Well, maybe we'll, they will play the uh, the last one next time. Yeah. But Steve, you said it right. It was the it was the family, and for me, it wasn't direct family. It was the season ticket family that you would only see ten times a year. It was uh, you know making those those friends and and seeing them and, in high-fiving and they'll, you know, all the, the, defe- the, defeats and feeling that loss together. And it was just, that to me was, was Taylor field. That's where we all grew up loving football. And to me, that'll never change. I, like we were Steve, we went and took out our rows together when uh, we were able to take our benches and to be able to have that up in uh, one of my rooms right now, the back of the benches where we all well, sat and stood well mostly stood in front of back in, in section twenty seven. But uh, it it means a lot. And it's uh see the video of the grandstand coming down from four years ago and and the anniversary of the last game at Taylor Field where Chris Jones gave a big giant FU to darian Durant and the fans. And <laughs> it just seems part for the course of the last game at Taylor Field it was a twenty four to six loss <laughs> in a game that meant nothing but meant everything at the time. Like it just that was it was it was that's where football became a love. It wasn't just a, a like it was a love and to me that's what Taylor field will always be. It's funny you mentioned the the back
2: of the the seats and as I'm sitting here recording, I'm staring I built a little like a bar out of the the back of our seats and then some pallets and I specifically grabbed I've got my seats the seven eight and nine that we had season tickets in but on the in that row I also had uh, 26, 27 and 28. Which are the three sections where I grew up? Because it was 26 with my parents, it was 28 when I was a, a dumb university kid, and it was 27 when I was uh, a dumb older kid. And uh, you know, I'm really glad that we that we got the opportunity to get those seats. I didn't really think they would mean much to me down the road, but here we are five years later, and I'm very very happy that uh, that we were able to get those.
1: Oh, and uh, speaking of five-year anniversaries, just like to point out, it was five years ago that we had uh, Ray Elgard on the show, and one of my favorite <laughs> interviews that we've ever had here on the Piffles Podcast. So you can go back in time, go back and find that Ray Elgard interview. He's a he's a beauty. Maybe we'll get him on again here someday. But I feel uh, bad that I'm
2: wearing a shirt for this one now.
1: Jeez. <laughs> well, let's get to our enemy preview. Here, Riders going up against the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, Playoff clinching scenarios. The Riders clinch a playoff spot with a win and either a BC loss and an Edmonton loss or a win and a Calgary loss and an Edmonton loss. Calgary's probably not going to lose to Hamilton. BC is probably going to lose to Toronto and Edmonton loses to everybody, even Ottawa. So things are looking pretty good for the Riders to potentially clinch a playoff spot this week. I think the hardest part of that battle is going to be the
2: the win over Montreal. That's a that's a team when they when they lost Vernon Adams, we thought we might see them slide, but they probably played their best game of the year last week. So I'm uh, I'm not all that confident going into this one that uh, that we clinch a spot. And the
0: St. Catherine flu is a real thing, so
1: can neither confirm nor deny that. Dot dot dot. Is Montreal's defense getting the credit they deserve because they've actually been pretty lights out? We were looking at some of the stats, um, and they rival Winnipeg's defensive stats. And we're all talking about how Winnipeg's the class of the CFL and what they're able to do, especially on defense. Montreal's defense is right there with them.
0: Montreal, at the beginning of the year, were, um, and you, you can attest for this, <laughs> we're expected to do really well this year. They just went off to a really slow start, especially on offense. Um, Montreal's got a good team. They just were having trouble putting it together. And unfortunately they are on the upswing right now and hopefully the riders can overcome them this week.
2: I I think just, just as you often see in the CFL, the, the defense is getting overlooked by what everybody expected to be a very potent offense, uh, they've got a lot of weapons on that team between William Stanbeck, former former UCF alum, I might add, uh, Eugene Lewis, uh, Jake Winnicky. They've got quality players across that offense that you almost forget that the the defense is is top notch to go along with them.
1: Now, if you're Jason Shivers and the defense for the Riders this week. Is your main priority stopping William Stanback Because he went off last week against Toronto having over 200 yards and basically took that whole second half over. Is that the guy, the one guy that you focus your game plan on stopping?
0: If you do that, then uh, Eugene Lewis is going to torch you for a ton of yards too. He's having a quiet, good, really good season this year too. Um, yeah, the riders usually suck against the run. <laughs> but they can't concentrate on just stand back because Sch- uh, schlitz schiltz schiltz i don't know how to say his name schiltz schiltz thank you i, I always want to say schlitz for some reason uh schiltz has some uh, really good uh weapons at his disposal to throw to so
2: i mean look, look at what kadeem carry did over the last three games we we finally held them last week and and we were successful William Stanback is a better running back to me by far than Kadim Carey is. You don't, you don't stop him. You just hope to contain him uh, and keep him, keep your team in it. Cause he, to me, if I had to, if I had to rank running backs in the CFL, William Standback is number one on my list.
0: Well, no, you just insulted Andrew Harris.
2: Good.
1: <laughs> Maybe I can needle him a little more. Hey, that's Greg's thing, okay? Let Greg insult <laughs> Andrew Harris. Hey, he all. set me up for it, so he gets the assist on it anyways. Yeah. All right, that's fair. Well, Greg, I like what you said about Jake Winicky. I think he's uh, one of the most underrated players in the league. He doesn't get all the targets or all the catches.
0: He's confusing us again. <laughs> <laughs> that was
1: He's Winicky. Yeah, you you complimented him for my
0: point. Then you complimented <laughs> me for his. and We're even. We're even, at least. <laughs> There we go.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's anyway. the, it's a similar hairline. I understand Yeah, it's the hairline. Yeah, <laughs> so. whoever said that Jake Winnicky is uh, one of the underrated guys. I, I completely agree. I think he's a fantastic receiver. He doesn't get all the, all the targets. He doesn't get all the uh, you know, the catches, but he makes them count and he has a, a big average when uh, for reception and with this secondary, of course, they had that good game last week against the stamps. If they can continue and kind of minimize the impact that Weineke and Eugene Lewis can have, then that's the key to the success. Because I don't think it's necessarily stopping William Standback. Because I don't think they're going to run it as much as they did against Toronto. Uh, talking about Montreal here, but I think if you can force them to kind of try to run Standback a little bit more, that could be a a type of success to have. Because if you can shut down those wideouts. That's a, that's a big win for this Riders defense. The one thing that
2: was interesting to me, Jake Wineke was a big part of the offense with Vernon Adams under center. Last week, he had three targets. He dropped them all or didn't complete them all, but he he suddenly was the third or fourth option with, uh, with Schiltz under center. And I wonder if that carries over into this game as well, because he is a guy that can beat you deep, over and over again, we've seen it. He's a big play guy. You see a lot of those guys down south. You don't see a ton of them up here, where that's that's their big thing. He is one of them. He is their deep threat. You stop him, you have a much better chance at winning. What's a deep threat?
1: Uh, I I asked I think the, the last time the rider, Yeah, the uh, the last time the riders had one of those was uh, Preche Rodriguez, maybe going back. <laughs> big play Preche. DJ Flick, yeah. I wonder what oh. they're up to right now. Let's get them on the, let's get them on the phone and bring them up here. Hit some big plays. <laughs> well, without further ado, let's do our CFL pick'em this week. I don't think we're going to have much uh, argument in terms of uh, at least the first three games this week. With uh, first one being Calgary at Ottawa, I would bet my mortgage on Calgary. Yep.
0: A team wearing red and black will win.
1: It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Calgary pays off. Calgary easily. Hamilton at Edmonton. Hamilton.
0: A team wearing yellow will win.
1: Hamilton. (laughs) Hamilton. (laughs) It's gonna see how far he goes with this. Yeah, I'm kind of screwed on the next one. They're, They're gold, not yellow
0: remember oh, yeah oh yeah 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 gold okay
1: sure yeah bc at toronto i think this will actually be closer than a lot of people think but uh toronto still going to win this one
0: a team with their stadium by a shore will win
1: <laughs> wow
2: you're you're going all out this week i'm kind of impressed uh i'm going to go toronto for sure
0: toronto
1: and uh the final one of the week on saturday afternoon the riders in montreal I think I uh, I said it off the top of the show. Just I'm gonna say Montreal just to uh, appease Rider fans because that means that the Riders will win. I th- actually think that the Riders do win this one. I think it's a field goal game. Well, now they won't. Thanks, Alex. If, if we lose, Ryder Nation knows who to blame. They blame me for everything already. Did you not see my Twitter? Uh, yeah. Why are you even doing this? this? You hate the CFL. Yeah. Are, yeah quit quit
2: this? using this for clout. We're still waiting for that clout.
1: I got to create a burner account (laughs) that makes me tell people that I'm a former player in this league.
0: As as, as a a former Saskatchewan Rough lineman, I agree. (laughs) Oh, wait. I'm not. Wait, wait a second. No, I'm not Nate Davis. Why do I keep on telling people I'm Nate Davis? Okay, well, uh, let's talk
1: about that for a little bit because we're just kind of beating around the bush on that. But uh, I, I said that I think the CFL, for the most part, this season hasn't been that entertaining. And I love this game. As we've been doing this podcast for five plus years, had season tickets since you know I, I two thousand three. Like, I grew up loving this league. I still love this league, but that doesn't mean that. Sometimes the product itself sucks and it does. And I know we can be happy that we have a season after missing last year, but why can't we have a good season? Why can't it be an entertaining season? I had a bunch of Bummer fans reply to me and be like, Oh, the season's been great. Okay, cool. Yeah. For you guys. Sure. It is absolutely. You're 10 and one, you're blowing everybody out 45, nothing every game. Like, yeah, of course you're having fun, <laughs> but it's not good to watch. You're not gaining any, you know, casual viewers are not tuning in to a Winnipeg beating Toronto or BC 45 nothing Like that does nothing for the game whatsoever. And having that big disparity and or big discrepancy and in, in parity is not good. And just because a game comes down to the final three minutes and two team and you see two field goals in this final three minutes to make an 18-16 final score, which we saw once between Winnipeg and Calgary does not make it a great exciting game. It had a okay finish because there was two field goals. That game sucked. <laughs> well, look at uh, what, what was Hamilton
0: and uh, Montreal there a few weeks ago. And, and the, the, the game craziness game in that one sucked. it was it was, a, first, it was a terrible game leading the up to first, those last 3 minutes.
1: Yeah, the first 55 minutes of that game sucked. The final 5 minutes were awesome and so was the overtime because it was sloppy, it had turnovers and it was a comeback. So Yeah. Okay. But when you look at that overtime between Hamilton and Montreal there, Hamilton fumbled it. They just gave the game away. Like that's, I mean, yeah, it was entertaining because the drama was at a higher point then because it's overtime and the game, you know, at the time meant, you know, second place and now first place potentially, but it it was bad and we should, and I'm not saying we, I should I'm expecting 43 to forty. You no know, shootout games every week because that's not realistic that's not reasonable but cuz i can i can appreciate low scoring defensive games one of my favorite games of all time was a 17-14 game sorry greg i'm going to bring it up the super bowl when the patriots lost their perfect season that game itself was fantastic unless you're a patriots no, it fan it was it was terrible <laughs> but that was a fantastic game it had timely offense in the fourth quarter the defenses were incredible and it was a good game. See, and that's the thing we're, we're seeing is
2: we're seeing, you know, if you see games where defenses are actually making plays, that's great. That's exciting. But we're not always seeing that in these low scoring games. We're seeing mistakes. We're seeing overthrows and we're seeing bad passes, you know, dropped balls, wrong routes. We're, we're not seeing that great defensive play on a consistent basis either. You know, we we grew up on the the nonstop offense, you know, of the two thousands and twenty tens, where the CFL was a score constantly league. We're not seeing that this year, but if you can at least pin it to good defense, it can make the game exciting. I love a defensive battle, but it has to be because the defense is making plays, not the offense is messing up. But we also
0: have to remember these a lot of these players did not whether they want to say they did or not, they did not come in this season in playing shape. These teams were a step behind They had a rush training camp and everyone thought, Hey, you know, they're professional athletes. They'll get it together in in a month. They obviously didn't. And the season has kind of suffered for it. Hopefully next year, if they, if and when they can get a full training camp in and a full spring camp in, hopefully these it gets better, but right now yeah it's kind of sandlot football but it's better than Um, not having a season
1: and we questioned that before the season started especially you know with the veterans we named charleston hughes but it's not just him it's a lot of the other veterans as well that are 30 plus years old in the cfl how would that year off affect them and now i mean we're seeing it now you see the guys are stepping up it's a lot of younger players so they were the guys that were playing last year, whether it was the XFL, AAF, college, whatever, right? Like, they were playing last year in some capacity, and those are the guys that seem to be stepping up a little bit this year. Um, you heard uh, Greg's dog barking in the background. I'd like to point out the dog's name is Eli, also my uh, second-favorite Manning, and uh, potentially first-favorite Manning because beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl twice. Yeah, I did not name the dog.
0: In fact, there was great discussion about – because the dogs' name, because the dog, uh, the the uh, siblings were all e names, and I thought we were going to rename the dog when we got it, and apparently we just did not.
2: Because so. you secretly love the name. No, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to admit it.
1: But I think going back to the the whole the CFL product this year, it's it's a conversation worth having because we love the game, but that doesn't mean that we can't be upset with it and want you know changes to it and i'm not suggesting that any rule changes need to happen or anything but it's just maybe it's just the one year and i'm being you know overreactive on this but it's just it's not as entertaining as it normally is and the league's got to do something to get the casual viewers in because the hardcores are going to watch every single game we watch every single game but to to build that audience and eventually build that you know, salary cap because of that and the tv deal and etc cetera, etc cetera, et cetera. you got to have a good product and right now they're getting blown out of the water by cis football which has been great this year pfc has been really good especially I mean, with the, the success the
0: thunder, the thunder games this year have been amazing
1: yeah the comebacks that they've had and and even with the the hilltops have had some really entertaining games everywhere you look college football nfl the games have been really good. The CFL, one game a week might be good. Chances are it's the Rider game, and because that seems to be the most competitive game of the week. But that's it. Because last week, okay, sure, Montreal Toronto for the first little bit was was all right, but then Montreal just dominated that second half and ran it the rest of the day, and and that was it. But the other two games, blowouts, they were terrible to watch, and the Rider game yeah, had some great defensive plays and and the defense for the Riders played awesome, but it wasn't an exciting game until I guess the end when we all got kind of nervous when uh, Calgary drove down for a touchdown and came down to another onside kick. But generally speaking, it wasn't a classic game, right? So like, that's just, we're not seeing any of that this year. So like I said, maybe I'm just kind of overreacting because it's one year and I should just be proud to be Canadian to have the football or Canadian football league back and be happy about it. But like, I'm happy we have it, but it's just, it's not good guys.
0: Just admit you hate the league and you're only using this for popularity. That's, that's, that's all we are. This is actually an intervention. Uh, I, I thought, I thought we should bring that up now.
1: It's been five years in the making. Yeah. This is where I admit I have a problem.
0: Yep. Pretty much.
1: All right. Well, I have a problem with you guys right now. That's my problem. <laughs> That's fair. Anyway, I hope I, th- I think we'll have a couple good games this week. I really do think that BC-Toronto game this week is going to be a lot closer than people expect. I do expect Toronto to win, but I think that'll be a pretty good game. And Saskatchewan-Montreal, again, Saskatchewan with the game of the week here should be uh, a pretty good one. So hopefully we see that this week. But anyway, guys. We've been uh, rambling on here for quite a while. We'll wrap it up here and uh, let you get back to everyday life here. Piffles Podcast, brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks as well to Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty and Churchill Brewing Company for their support making this show possible. Piffles Podcast is a proud member of the CFPN Canadian Football Podcast Network and a part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. Greg, your turn for karaoke again. Ghost Behind Your Mind by Tyler Gilbert.